Hello and welcome to The REIT Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borkin Quito. Today, I'm pleased to welcome John Bortz, President and CEO of Pebblebrook Hotel Trust, back to the podcast to give us an update on developments in the lodging sector. John, thanks for speaking with us again. My pleasure, Sarah. So you were chair of the American Hotel and Lodging Association during the height of the pandemic, and you remain on the executive committee today. How far have things progressed for the industry since those most challenging days of last year? You know, it's funny. Uh, I tell people, I think being chair um, at the beginning of the worst of a pandemic was like winning a lottery in in life. Um, certainly was a challenging time. I, I was honored to be in that position, and it, it certainly was a challenging year last year. I mean, Pebblebrook, as an example, we had we closed 40, 45 of 53 hotels in March of last year. And fortunately, the uh, the industry's come back pretty well so far. It is still struggling in some areas and actually uh, outperforming 2019 in other areas. So, you know, the good areas have tended to be the resorts, uh, particularly drive-to resorts here in the U.S., where uh, demand is is uh, driven by leisure and and often achieving higher levels of occupancies and even more importantly rates than 2019 and then the struggles have been more so in the urban environments the big cities particularly northern cities and the coastal cities where the governments have been more restrictive or a little later to reopen and you have a lot of business demand that would otherwise be occurring in those cities that with folks still working from their homes in many cases and and not traveling anywhere anywhere near where they were you know cities such as San Francisco as an example we're still down 80% in revenue from 2019 and and other cities like DC where the federal government hasn't gone back to the office yet you know we're still down 70% since 2019 so it's a varied uh, recovery. Um, certainly the South and the Southern cities are doing better. And then sort of secondary, tertiary, rural drive highway markets are actually pretty close to, if not back at 2019 levels. So you mentioned those cities that are still struggling, and obviously that's um, dictated a lot by business travel. What's your best guess about when we can see business travel start to recover? Well, we've already seen it start to recover. It's actually been recovering from late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter. But it's a very slow recovery. It's certainly not a hockey stick in terms of the trend line. We think we're about 40 to 50% back in terms of business transient travel at this point. We think we're about 30 to 40% back in terms of business group. We are seeing some citywides in various cities like San Diego and Boston and Los Angeles, as an example. But many of them have much lower attendance. Others are canceled, like our NAREIT meeting here next week, which was going to be in Las Vegas. And so we think recovery will continue to pick up as we're on the, the backside of this latest Delta COVID wave. And with a lot of companies now planning to go back to the office beginning of the first quarter of next year, we think business should see a nice step up in recovery in the first quarter of next year. And just going back to the leisure sector, Pebblebrook has made investments recently in Southern Florida. What is your underlying optimism for that particular market and how do other leisure markets compare? 
Yeah, so we bought two assets in Southern Florida. We bought a Margaritaville in Hollywood, Florida, which is between Miami and Fort Lauderdale. It's on the beach. It is very heavily uh, dominated by leisure travel, although pre-pandemic did a lot of group, and some of that is now coming back here in the fourth quarter. What we find attractive, and, and by the way, we also bought an iconic property built in the late 1800s in the Golden Isles in, in southern Georgia called Jekyll Island Club Resort. And so I'd say it would fall into the same rationale, which is we, we like drive-to resorts. There are a greater number of those available for purchase today. And we believe that certainly for the next few years, long-term secular trend of, of leisure continuing to grow faster than GDP. And drive-to resorts in particular being a little less risk as evidenced by what went on in this cycle, which is people willing to drive and drive extended distances if necessary to take vacations and to get away on occasion, either economically or for other reasons like this go-round where people were perhaps a little more fearful of getting on a plane. They were willing to drive to resorts that had significant outdoor areas and people could feel comfortable in that kind of environment. So we do think those will continue to be attractive on a go-forward basis. It's what we've always invested in on the resort side, which are drive-to resorts. And primarily, we've been investing in the Southeast and in the, in the uh, Southern California in the San Diego, Del Mar area of, of the country. So do you see the scope for additional acquisition opportunity for Pebble Brook in this market? And how challenging is it to find a property that really fits your portfolio? Um, We've seen a a nice increase in both the quality and the volume of properties that are uh, being offered on the market as the year has gone on, and certainly a higher level, significantly higher level today than there was uh, six months ago, earlier in the year, when it was a little less clear how the pandemic and return to sort of normalcy or whatever the new normal is, is taking place. And I think for what we've historically found after these down periods is there are more assets that tend to be available, either because they need to trade for liquidity purposes, they're undercapitalized, and they really need to be in the hands of a new owner who has capital to invest where an asset may have been underinvested in during the the down part of the cycle, but also folks who uh, take advantage of that higher level of capital availability to sell assets that maybe they wish they had sold in the last cycle, now have held it too long and and want to transfer ownership as well and take advantage of the the active buyer market that's out there. So so we think it's a good time. We created Pebblebrook in 09. We grew the company over the next five years and, and really took advantage of the heavier transaction volumes of quality assets that came to market after the last cycle. And we expect the same thing. And that's what we're already what we're already seeing. And and I think for Pebblebrook, we have a number of sort of strategic advantages in the marketplace. We've, we've certainly been around a long time, both in our current form of Pebblebrook and my prior company that I led, LaSalle Hotel Properties. So we have really a broad and deep relationships in the operator 
and the the ownership and the investment brokerage communities. We have a great reputation for doing what we say we're going to do. And we also are in a position where, you know, we have a unique understanding of independent lifestyle hotels in the market. And that allows us, I think, to view those with a different lens than perhaps others who view them with greater risk. And then finally, I think I would say that we tend to operate more efficiently and productively than than many competitors in the market for hotels. Um, we're very good at asset management. We have a very broad best practices set of standards that we utilize in our portfolio that drive higher profitability. And we created this company called the Curator Collection, which allows us to take advantage of economies of scale with other lifestyle independent hotels to enter into more favorable arrangements with product and service providers in the hotel space. And that gives us an edge in terms of when we underwrite the kind of returns that we think we can deliver, which is more unique to our capabilities than perhaps what others can do. So those competitive advantages really put us in an optimal position to take advantage of the opportunities that come about after these downturns. We hear so much today about labor issues across many different sectors. How is it impacting the hotel space at this point? Sarah, it's impacting our industry in a pretty similar way to other service industries today, particularly those that saw significant shutdowns during the worst parts of the pandemic. But really, most industries today are really struggling with labor. I would say our situation was more severe about three or four months ago in the summer when we had strong demand and we were in a place where not everyone was vaccinated, where there were those still fearful coming back to work in an environment where you have a lot of interaction with guests and you don't know whether they're vaccinated or not, where schools weren't open, where kids were at home, where people were worried about multi-generational folks who they take care of or might be living with. So what we've seen in the last six to eight weeks is a significant improvement in the labor situation in the industry. We've been able to fill a lot of open positions in our hotels, make a lot of headway. And I would say about half of the portfolio is in good shape in terms of our labor uh, needs. And about half of it, particularly some of the resorts that still have more headway that they need to make, including opening up the the class, the historical H2B visa program and the J1 program, where we get seasonal help during our high seasons. And we have seen that sort of iceberg break for the first time in a few years. And we have H2B workers who are coming in in the next couple of months in particular to help our resort properties during high season, which comes in December, January, February, and March of the coming months. Any other trends or issues that we haven't covered? You know, the only thing I would add is that there's a lot of discussion about business travel and being some of it or much of it being replaced by technology. And the the way I would lay it out is if you look at history and look at the long-term history, travel evolves, particularly business travel evolves over time. And what we have found is that business travel generally follows GDP growth. And in fact, over the last 10 years, was tracking at a significantly higher level than GDP growth as businesses become more global. So I think what will happen in this next cycle and and as business travel returns is that some of it will get replaced by technology, but other travel will replace it that we've not really contemplated. And we believe that in a 
environment where where businesses, their workforces are more variable, meaning they're whether they're hybrid or more people working from home, or they're more dispersed, meaning you can work anywhere, you can work in a in a regional office or a local office compared to headquarters, those two factors tend to drive more travel, more need to get together, more reason to develop culture and trust in your workforce to create more collegiality, more collaboration. And so there'll be reasons that people travel that didn't exist pre-pandemic or become much more intense following this pandemic. And I think that replaces business travel that will be replaced by technology and will be more mitigated than it was pre-pandemic. So we've seen this evolution over the last 50 years, certainly in my time in the business, the last 25 or, or 30 years almost, business travel evolves. And I think it's important to understand it'll continue to evolve, but there's business travel that we're not imagining that will replace business travel that moderates. Great. John, thanks again so much for your time. My pleasure, Sarah. I appreciate you taking your interest in, in Pebblebrook and the hotel industry. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.